you if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Brad, and I'm one of the elders here. And uh, just before we jump into the scriptures, you can go ahead and grab your Bible. We would prefer that you jump up off the couch and and that you grab a, a actual paper copy of the Bible, or, or if you have the Bible on your phone, that you get it out. Um, you can turn to John chapter seven while you're turning there. L- let me just say really, really quickly, I want to follow up on something that Chris had said earlier and just expand on it a little bit. Life continues to go on during this time for us. But I want us to be particularly purposeful and careful in acknowledging what we're feeling. I was here last week and you heard some of the technical difficulty that we had on the first couple of songs. We know there was an echo there and I think we got it taken care of, but we are changing out equipment, and if you look at our tech booth, it's ridiculous compared to what we've had in the past. Um, the amount of equipment that is needed, and this is not where our emphasis has been as a church. We have said we want to spend our time with people, uh, not with equipment, and that's not the reality that we're currently living in. And I realized last week they didn't offer a seminary class for this. I've got a a religion degree and then a master's in biblical studies. We never had a class on on how to to do a pandemic. And so we're doing our best. We're installing some equipment. But as I was up here last week, I was just really sad. I was in this sanctuary and some of you have forgotten what this room is even like because you've been a part of the live stream longer than you were here in this building. And it's important that we acknowledge our emotions each day. Even our sadness, that we allow those emotions to carry us to the Lord. And then to find our strength in Him. Because life goes on. Um, it's It's a different life than what we've experienced in the past. It's very different. But God is still at work. I want to encourage us in that. God is on the move in our families. Uh, His Spirit is at work in a powerful way. And even in my own family, we are preparing to to sign papers. Um, Our intent to adopt uh, our youngest son, Mac. And uh, we're excited about that. We're probably going to sign those later this afternoon. And that, that, but what that means for us is that probably in the next 30 days, we will see Mac legally adopted over Zoom. Which I think is like not at all what I would hope over um, a screen. But that's the world that we're living in. And so we take those hurts, we take those sadness to Jesus... And we continue to see Jesus at work. And so, as you think about July 26, we're preparing for that day. Honestly, I don't have um, a lot of positive feelings right now that we're going to hit that date to regather. We have seen that date in particular, whether it's that date or a later date. We're going to continue preparing for it. Our deacons are meeting next Sunday. We'll have the four options that are available. We have 100 chairs that are lining the walls of this room against the windows. Uh, option one would be in the sanctuary, um, social distance with mask on. Option two would be in the balcony. Uh, option three would be in the family room behind us watching the live stream, particularly if you have kids that are a little louder than you anticipated. And, off, and then option four would be remaining at home. And we believe that most likely many of you will choose option four. Uh, if you do feel like you want to come and be a part of the live recording of the live stream, you're welcome to be here. We realize that all of these options are good for those who you need to do what's best for your family. 
And so we'll continue to follow what the health department says and what our city officials are recommending and watch these numbers over the next few weeks. What's, I think, most important is that we all continue to pray and seek the Lord, that we pray for those who are struggling, that we pray for those who have this virus, that we pray for their healing, that we pray for those within our uh, church family who do have compromised immune systems, and that we continue to pray for our first responders. And so let me pray for them, and then we're going to jump into the scriptures. Father, thank you that in you we have life, and in you, Jesus, you, you are our hope. God, in this time as we navigate circumstances that really none of us have ever navigated before, God, as we look at them and realize our own sadness and anger and hurt at times, because things are not as we would have hoped, God, may our hope be not found in our circumstances, but May our hope be found in Jesus and the work that he's done for us on the cross and the resurrection power that lives within us. God, would you even remind us of that truth today as we look into your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let me invite you to take out your Bibles. John chapter 7. Last time we were in this chapter, we split it up into two sections. We saw that people had congregated in Jerusalem at the Feast of Tabernacles. That there was a week-long tailgating party that was taking place around the temple. It was called the Feast of Booths. And in that time, there were all types of people who showed up to see Jesus. There were those who were cynics. There were those who were just observers. There were those who were religious and they were looking to entrap Jesus. And then there were followers. And the followers were very few and far between. And what we're going to see in this passage today, Jesus is... I believe the greatest communicator who ever lived, and we're going to see one of the best examples of that in this text today as we understand the context in which his statements came. The big idea we're going to see today is this. There is great reward that comes in following Jesus. There is a great reward that comes in following Jesus. And I know that some of you are probably thinking, yeah, it's eternal life, we're going to spend life with him, and we've got to wait on that. And while that is true, that we do have life with Jesus, because that life begins now, and the moment we come to know him, there is great reward that comes through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the joy that the Holy Spirit gives us for living. Most times when we think about that, we kind of don't think in the same way that we see that joy taking place within the New Testament. But we're going to see today the joy that Jesus offers us. So let's, let's begin in verse 25. And I'm going to read um, 25 through 52. And then we're going to concentrate on verses 37 through 39. Let's read together. Beginning, uh, follow along as I read, beginning in verse 25. Some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, Is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly. And they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? But we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple. You know me and you know where I come from. But I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true. And him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. 
Yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him. And the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer and then I'm going to him who sent me. You will seek me and you will not find me. Where I am you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the, to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, you will seek me and you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. These verses will, will be our emphasis today. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Someone once said, Why is it that when we speak to God, we're said to be praying but when God speaks to us, we're said to be schizophrenic. In this text that we see, there's two very complex subjects that are connected. The source of our joy and the work of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament is far different than the way in which most of us live our lives. In the New Testament, we'll find men who have been filled by the Holy Spirit and we'll find them in jail. We'll find them beaten will find them in the worst of circumstances and they will be singing and rejoicing with great joy. It seems that they live life opposite most of us. For most of us, our joy is oftentimes dictated by our circumstances and by what our experiences are. Today, as we look into this text, we're going to look at the ministry that the Holy Spirit has in our lives as believers the majority of Christians, it seems, live very unaware of how the Holy Spirit is at work in their lives. They live like God is far away. But Jesus has told us that God is actually closer to us than if Jesus were to be with us in this very room or in your very living room. Oftentimes you'll hear people say, if I could just talk with Jesus, or if Jesus was just 
here. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is actually closer than if he showed up and was with us face to face. Because he is in us through the work of his spirit. And John gives us commentary on the work of the Holy Spirit in this text. Today, I want us just to quickly unpack what is the Holy Spirit's role in our lives? What does He do in us? How can we more clearly hear from the Spirit and follow His leadership in our lives? Because more than ever, we need to hear the Spirit. We need to know the joy that comes through the Holy Spirit's work in and through us. So we're going to look particularly at verses 37 through 39. In order to understand these verses, we have to understand the context. Because Jesus was, I believe, the most brilliant communicator to ever walk the face of the earth. But we have to understand the context. Several years ago, I lived in Nashville. And I had uh, several friends who were musicians. If some of those musician friends had come to be very famous, and they invited me to come to a show. It was a show that I was going to have to jump on a plane and travel to, and they said, hey, here's free tickets, backstage passes, but it's only a 12-minute show. It's the first weekend in February. I probably wouldn't attend unless they went on to say it's the first weekend in February on a Sunday night. It's only a 12-minute show because it's the Super Bowl. Then I would turn heaven and earth upside down in order to attend because context means everything, and in this text... We need to understand what's going on as Jesus quotes from the book of Isaiah in verse 37. In this verse it says, On the last day of the feast, the great day. This would have been most likely day 7 of the, of the, the Feast of Tabernacles or the, the Feast of Booths. And on, during this feast there was a water ceremony that would take Place. It would grow more intense as the week went on. And day seven was the pinnacle of that ceremony. This ceremony would wrap up the time of harvest in September or October. Keep in mind, they lived in a, a very dry region. A, a region in which they were dependent upon the rains. Yes, they had cisterns, but they were very leaky and dirty. They could dig wells, but that was a whole lot of work. And oftentimes, they wouldn't find water. And so they're very dependent upon the rain. And on the seventh day of this ceremony, when the temple is packed, if you can kind of get um, this context, this is one of those moments where I really wish we could see, uh, be there in person and, and see what it was like. Because it was said that you don't understand what true joy is like unless you're there on the seventh day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And... and The temple would be packed. There would be chants of praise that were heard in all of Jerusalem. Thousands of worshipers, literally with palm branches and myrtle and olive branches. They would wave them. There would be this crazy atmosphere, this electric atmosphere that was going on. The priest would return from the pool of Siloam with a gold pitcher. And as he enters the temple, the shofar would blow And he would circle the altar seven times with the crowd singing the Hallel from Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. They would would sing and they would grow louder as they sang and they would wave their palm branches. And then they would begin to beat their palm branches against the ground. And as the leaves fell off, it would symbolize the harvest and the joy that comes in God's provision and the rain that he brings. And the sound would be deafening as hundreds of priests would chant 
finally there would be three blasts on the trumpet. And as the crowd grows louder and louder still, the priest would pour out the water. And as he poured out the water on the altar, now with chanting so intense, they would chant Psalm 118 verse 26, Save us, Hosanna! Help us, Hosanna! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord! And it would be sometime in that moment that Jesus would cry out, that He would stand in the midst of this frenzy with literally thousands of worshipers in the temple and tens of thousands of people in Jerusalem. And Jesus would stand and He would cry out in verse 37, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, and He would quote Isaiah, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus is saying in this moment of celebration, Jesus is saying that all you've been celebrating, God's protection in the wilderness, God's provision, His harvest, the rain that satisfies, all of this, He would say, is pointing to me. I'm the one who brings never-ending joy. I'm the one who is responsible for both your physical provision and your spiritual provision. Have you ever been really thirsty before? I remember one year, our family's gone down to the Gulf for the last 20 summers in a row. Um, thankfully, we've had family who have provided a place for us to go and and to enjoy, and I can remember one year at Gulf Shores, when I went out running, and I, and I got a little further away from our house on the beach than I had intended, and actually I didn't get further away, my water just uh, kind of disappeared quicker than I intended, and so my water bottle was empty, and I was running back to our house, and I had an empty water bottle, and I was getting really thirsty, and I finally reached a point, I don't know if you've ever been this thirsty before, I just stopped running. My main concern was not running back to the house. My main concern began to be getting back to the house without passing out. And I was concerned that I wasn't going to make it. I, I can remember moments like that or even as a kid where you're just so busy and you have so much fun. You're playing outside and all of a sudden you realize it. You're so thirsty and you go inside and you drink like three glasses of water until your stomach hurts. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been really, really thirsty before. Jesus is claiming to know the source of a clean and a constant water. He says streams of living water will flow from within him. Jesus is talking about satisfying our spiritual thirst. Our spiritual thirst. And if we're honest with one another, we all have thirsts that we oftentimes don't recognize. Thirst that we hope will satisfy this, this dryness and this weariness that we find in our souls. And we go looking to satisfy those thirsts in a lot of different ways. And uh, a lot of different ways that oftentimes seem very harmless but are very expensive. Uh, so we'll go looking to satisfy uh, those thirsts, sometimes, you know, the latest, whatever product that may be for you, whether it's an Apple product or whatever your list is of created things that you think will satisfy. I mean, we're only halfway to, to Christmas. June 24th was halfway to Christmas Eve. 
And uh, some of you already kind of have like a mental list of, of those things that, you, that you're thinking about. Man, it'd be great if these big ticket items could somehow be a part of, of Christmas this year. And we looked at those physical created things as if they would satisfy. Sometimes there's other things that make their way into our hearts. And there's hopes and dreams and aspirations. Good things. Good things that we oftentimes desire too much. That we begin to put our hope in. That we believe that they will satisfy. And we hope in them more than we hope in Jesus. There's thirst that we're often ashamed of. Too ashamed to mention. Thirst like jealousy. Or envy. Or lust. Or even anger. And Jesus is saying. That he is the one. Who can satisfy. That we don't have to keep looking. And you say, well, how, how does he do that? How does Jesus, who's no longer here with us, it's easy for Jesus to say, hey, I can satisfy, but the Bible says that Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, and so how is that fair that he would claim to be the essence of our satisfaction, and then he would leave us? Well, John tells us in verse 39. John gives us commentary. He says, now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. It's the Holy Spirit that Jesus says will provide this ongoing satisfaction that quenches our spiritual thirst, that makes life joyful. And so that's why it's so important that we get to know the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I want to take the last 15 minutes we have together to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I realize that for some of you, you would say, wow, 15 minutes to unpack all the baggage that comes when you say the Holy Spirit. I mean, some of you, when I say the Holy Spirit, you think of the Holy Ghost. Or, or you think of, you refer to the Holy Spirit as it instead of Him. And the Holy Spirit is a person. And oftentimes we find it very difficult. We, we can identify with the Father because we have had an earthly father. And we can identify with Jesus because we have the New Testament. But when it comes to spirit, many of us get lost. And in our lostness, we lose the joy that the Holy Spirit offers us. As we learn how to hear his voice in our life. And to listen and obey. How many people actively pray to the Holy Spirit? How many of you... In your prayer life, on a daily basis, how many of you actively pray to the Holy Spirit? That, that you pray, and that you say, Holy Spirit, then that you pause. That was awkward, wasn't it? It's ten seconds. And that you listen to the Spirit. If we're going to hear the Spirit in our life, we have to learn how to be good listeners. We can hear God as He speaks to us. Oftentimes, however, we're not listening. We treat the Holy Spirit as if He is a lower rank than the Father and the Son. When in fact, He is even more intimate with us now than in the Incarnation. 
It's through the Holy Spirit that God has truly become Emmanuel. Not simply God with us, but even closer, God in us. Hear that. Get that picture that God is in us. And this is the Holy Spirit's time. Let me tell you what I mean by that. By that. The Spirit has always existed, but just as atomic energy has always existed, it was only in the 20th century that the, the energy of atomic, uh, that atomic power, that we began to utilize it. And in much the same way, we've, we've seen the work of the Spirit all throughout the story of creation and all throughout the meta-narrative of Scripture. We see the Spirit moving at creation But it's in the Old Testament that we see the Spirit resting on particular individuals. But it's not until Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 that we see the Spirit in believers dwelling in us. And so there's three main ways that the Holy Spirit is at work in us. And I want to cover them very quickly. Three main ways. And then I want to ask you as I finish today, I want to ask you to engage in a little experiment with me over this next week. All right? Engage in a little experiment with me. The first way that we see the Holy Spirit is at work is through conversion and regeneration. Regeneration is God's work to begin a relationship with us. And He uses the Holy Spirit to draw all men and women to Himself. John 16, 8 tells us that. It says, when He comes, He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. I knew that verse. I memorized that verse when I was a young child. I heard it preached over and over again. Always thought of it as a negative verse. When he comes, he'll convict the world. Oh, I feel convicted. That that feels really negative. Because when I was convicted as a child, it was because I had done something wrong. And so we'll convict the world of guilt. Oh, guilt. That sounds really negative. In regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. While all those things are negatives, God is using them in order to draw us to Himself because they are negatives and they need to be purged from our lives. And when the Holy Spirit comes and convicts us in regard to our own sin, in regard to Jesus' righteousness and the judgment that we no longer have to face because of Jesus, we now have joy. And so conversion and regeneration is the beginning of a relationship That we have with God. And it's the beginning of that relationship from God's perspective. Conversion happens as a person is convicted and repents. And I want to encourage us that that the Spirit is at work even now during this time of pandemic. That the Spirit is drawing people to Himself. And that He is using us as we continue to pray for our family and for our friends who don't yet know Jesus. The Holy Spirit is not shut down because we are... uh, The Holy Spirit doesn't have to social distance, okay? The Holy Spirit is not limited in the fact that He has to wear a mask. He is at work in a powerful way, and we need to be reminded of that. He's at work even now. That repentance is a change of mind and heart and life. And that's not something that we do on our own. That's something that the Spirit brings to us. And so if you're hearing this and you're saying, Uh, I don't know if I've experienced that before. I don't know that I hear the Spirit's voice in my life. I don't know that, that there's a regular pattern of repentance in my heart and in my life. It may be that you struggle to follow the Holy Spirit because you've never really repented and come to Jesus. It may be that you don't have the Spirit within you. 
You may have felt guilty before, but guilt isn't the same thing as coming to God in surrender. And the Bible tells us that true repentance, that when we come to God and when we surrender our life and when we say, God, there's sin in my life and I need your forgiveness and I surrender my life to you. Would you come and would you forgive me? God, I give my life to you. I want to follow you. I need you. And I need your power to resurrect this dead heart. And God, I want to follow after you. That in that moment that the Spirit fills us. And that we are forgiven. And I want to encourage you, if you've never come to know Jesus. If you've never knelt and said, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I need the forgiveness that only you can offer. Through your perfect life on the cross. That you would do that. And that you would receive the Holy Spirit. The second way in which we see the Spirit is at work is through security. And this is so encouraging to us. We need to remind ourselves of this truth. And so when I say that we need to hear the Spirit in our life, one of the ways that we need to hear the Spirit is that even as believers, we need to continue to listen to the Spirit and be reminded of the ways in which the Spirit is convicting us about sin and righteousness and judgment and that we would that we would turn back to God and that we would walk because whenever we whenever we step into repentance listen to me believers this sounds upside down because it's the way of the kingdom whenever a believer steps into repentance they step into joy because it means that they're going to turn from going the way in which they thought would bring satisfaction and they're going to turn into going into the way that Jesus says this is the real way of satisfaction and that they're going to find joy in him and so what seems to be negative to us is actually it brings joy into our lives. The second main way that we see the Holy Spirit at work is through security. We need to remind ourselves of this. That after bringing us into relationship with God, that the Holy Spirit locks the door behind us. It's His work, not ours. That just like God shut Noah in the ark to save him as a remnant from the flood, that the Holy Spirit locks the door of our saving ship, our relationship with Jesus. And He draws us in. And that He's the one who makes us secure in Christ. That there's nothing that we can do that would distance us from Christ. That there's no sin so great that we would be cast out. Ephesians 1.13 says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed you were you are marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. It's God's work in us that keeps us secure, not our good works. We need to remind ourselves of that on the days where we're tempted to think, I didn't accomplish enough today, or I wasn't good enough today, or my sin was so great today, that it's God's Spirit within us that enables us to repent. And it's God's Spirit within us that draws us to Himself and that keeps us as his children. Finally, we see power. And this is where I want to end today. Three main ways we see the Holy Spirit at work. Conversion and regeneration. The Holy Spirit gives us security in Christ. And finally, he gives us power. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Henry Blackaby has said that the Holy Spirit is God's essential gift to the church. He has been given to implement the Father's purposes in the church and empower the members to obey Christ. 
as he leads them on mission in the work. Here's the deal. If you aren't on mission as a follower of Jesus, it's because you aren't listening to the Holy Spirit. You're not listening to the Spirit in your life because He will lead you to glorify His Son, Jesus. Many of us have a misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit. We believe that we listen to the Spirit mainly for selfish gain. We treat the Spirit like He gives us insider information. All the while, the Spirit, what He does is that He is not mainly here for us to inquire personally, but He always glorifies God through the church. Acts 1.8 would say, but you will receive power through the Holy Spirit. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that is at work in us today. And so I just want to end by asking a few application questions. It's 2,000 years after Jesus has declared streams of living water will flow from within you. And I just want to ask, how's that working for you? How are you listening to the Spirit in your life on a daily basis? How are you hearing His voice? How are you responding in obedience and finding joy that comes in walking by the Spirit? Do you regularly receive guidance and hear from the Holy Spirit? If we're to be a people on mission with Jesus, He's chosen to speak to us through the Spirit who lives within us. And so we better get really good at hearing His voice. And now's a great time. It's a better time than ever. We've got more time on our hands than we've ever had. And so the question is this. When do you listen to the Spirit? When do you listen to the Spirit? Personally, in the past, I've been apprehensive. Particularly of people who regularly say, God told me. And while there's some degree of healthy discernment that does need to take place. And that needs to exist in our lives when someone says, God told me. At the same time, ultimately, this skeptical view is, is, not, is not good. Because we need to hear the Spirit at work. We need to hear the, hear the Spirit's direction on a daily basis. And so I, I want to ask if you would to just engage with me on this kind of radical experiment. That over the next seven days, that you would purposefully take the time to simply ask this question, how, what is the Spirit saying to me today? And that you would, for the next seven days, listen to the Spirit and write down what He says. Actually write down what the Spirit is saying to you. If you have no idea how to do that, then let me encourage you to think about it in this way. Before you would even maybe open the Bible... And try to engage in the scriptures. I, I know for some of you to begin there. It would probably be a turn off. So let me, let, me, let me encourage you to do this. Begin your day with a short walk. In which you would go out the door outside. I know it's warm. You, you will survive. I ran yesterday afternoon. at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Or 3 or something. You will survive. Um, begin your day with a very short walk. And simply try to be aware of your senses. What you're feeling, what you're smelling, 
uh, what you're seeing and hearing. And as you do that, be aware that creation is, is, is brimming over with the work of God's Spirit. That God is at work all around us and just, just begin to engage with the Spirit. Say, God, what are you speaking to me today? You could begin just by praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I, oftentimes, if I will begin to dwell in the Lord's Prayer, I don't get anywhere past the Father. And I just begin to think of all the goodness that the Father has bestowed on me, His child, that He's adopted me. Our Father, who art in heaven, in heaven. Keep going. Would you engage the next seven days just listening to the Spirit? Ever since Pentecost, there have been men and women who have utilized the power of the Spirit of God. They've lived extraordinary lives. And Jesus stood before a crowd who were praying. They were praying desperately for rain. And He stood and declared, If anyone is thirsty, that thing that you are looking to to satisfy, let him come to Me and drink. And streams of living water will flow from within Him. Those streams are found through the person of the Holy Spirit who lives not near us but in us. I'm going to end with this example. When do you listen to the Spirit? I, I've lived with my, life, with my wife for uh, the last 21 years. We've been married. We've known each other. We've been in a relationship for the last 25 years. Last year, my wife sat me down. She had a serious conversation with me. And she told me, you don't listen to me. In fact, not only do you not listen to me, you cut me off regularly. You butt into my conversation, particularly in our missional community and when other small groups are around. And that was really hard for me to hear because I love my wife. Like I, and we've been working on our relationship for the last... 25 years, we, we, are, we are hoping that 25 years from now that we love each other even more because we love Jesus even more. And that was really hard to hear. But she said, when I oftentimes talk, I'll circle a conversation. She said, and you'll know how to get there quicker. And so you'll just cut me off and you'll finish my statement. And while what you say is accurate, oftentimes, not always, sometimes, but I feel very undervalued. And I feel like you're not listening to me. And you do it regularly within our missional community. And I went back to our missional community that next week and I said, Katie's made me aware of this. And I need your help. So when I cut her off or when I say something that's, that's not very kind, I need you guys to say, Brad, that, that wasn't very kind. You need to, you need to learn to, to listen you need to change this bad habit that you've developed. Didn't know it existed. I wonder in our lives how many of us have grown so familiar to having the Holy Spirit in our lives that we're no longer good listeners. That we begin to cut the Spirit off because we think we know what the Spirit would say that we know how to get there quicker. Oftentimes, the Spirit will work in a way that we don't understand. I remember years ago when we were meeting at Cafe Eclectic, we started this gathering on a Sunday evening. I remember 
one evening as I was preparing for that sermon. And the Lord just gave me this mental image of someone striving and paddling a canoe upstream against the current. And as I thought about that, I was walking in Overton Park. And as I thought about that image, and as I prayed, I sensed the Holy Spirit saying, just put that image in your sermon. And I thought, that's such a simple illustration. Why would I add that? That doesn't, that just seems, I don't know. It does, and I just sensed the Spirit saying, just do it. And I added that illustration. And afterwards, someone who was coming to know Jesus walked up to me and said, you'll never believe this. I was just meeting with, with the person who's discipling me. And we were just talking about how it just seems like I'm striving. And I'm just paddling upstream. And then you share this sermon. And you talk about how when we're not living by the Spirit. And we're not following Jesus. And we're just paddling upstream. And I just know that God is speaking to me. It wasn't me. It was the Spirit. That's the way that the Spirit works in our life. It oftentimes doesn't make sense. But God glorifies Himself. And I'm just asking our church. If you would. Over this next seven days, if you would commit to listen to what the Spirit is saying and write it down. Jesus said it was for the joy set before Him that He endured the cross. That means that even when the Spirit calls us to do hard things, seemingly impossible things, there is still joy on the other side of obedience. I want to ask you this week, if you would, to go on a joy hunt with me. By listening to the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given us incredible access to yourself. That Jesus, you have given us power. The same power um, that raised you from the dead, Jesus, is at work in us through the Spirit. God, would you forgive us? For all the times in which we feel as if you're hiding from us. God, in, in, as if you're in the shadows. Because, God, we know that you desire to be found when we seek you. God, I pray that, that as we humble ourselves this week. God, I pray that you would give us listening ears. And God, through your spirit, I pray that you would give us hearts of obedience to follow you, not just for this week, but God, to follow you to begin to learn to hear your spirit, to walk in the joy that comes in seeing Jesus glorified. And God, that you would receive much glory as we hear you and as we come to know you more. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.